I felt duped. I felt that my education had not given me the full context of what energy systems and what society needs to prosper. And nuclear, I, I couldn't believe that it wasn't mentioned, that I was not even, there wasn't even a class on it. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. On this episode, I'm going to be talking to someone who has made it her life's work to support nuclear and to try to change the minds of the public on nuclear energy. And I'm going to be working with her upcoming for Stand Up for Nuclear event in Ottawa. I'm helping to organize one on Parliament Hill, September 25th, 2021, uh, in the afternoon from 2 till 4 p.m. If you're around, please come on out. If you're not in Ottawa, go look at the standupfornuclear.org and see where your local Stand Up for Nuclear event is happening this fall. They're not all the same day, but they're mostly in the month of September. So hopefully you hear this podcast in time to get out and support nuclear. As always, if you enjoy my content, please hit like on your podcast app. Uh, Send me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And come join us at the Facebook group, The Rational View, and discuss with the experts any of your questions or concerns. I'd love to talk to you. On this episode, I'm interviewing Paris Ortiz Wines, Global Director of Stand Up for Nuclear. As the global director of stand-up, Paris oversees all of the organization's outreach and engagement efforts. She has spearheaded in-person demonstrations and social media campaigns around the world, growing stand-up from a single event to 67 events across 28 countries. Paris began her career at Environmental Progress, an environmental non-profit organization that fights to protect nuclear plants around the world from premature closure. In two years, she went from being an executive assistant to a junior analyst, revising energy analysis reports, leading research groups, and organizing international conferences. It was during her time at EP that she fell in love with nuclear and committed herself to fight for the development of sustainable energy. Wanting to concentrate on growing a grassroots movement for nuclear power, she left EP and transitioned into her role at Stand Up for Nuclear. Paris continues to mobilize and assist allies around the world in building their network and developing their strategy. Paris graduated from the University of Santa Cruz, California, Santa Cruz, with a degree in environmental studies. Paris, welcome to The Rational View. Thanks for having me, Al. Thank you very much for coming on. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, a little bit more, uh, what got you interested in nuclear power as a cause celeb? Yeah, so I grew up in California here, two hours south of Diablo Canyon, California's only nuclear plant. Um, And I didn't come to find out and learn about nuclear until I was 22. And this was after I had already pursued a degree in environmental studies. Wow. And... Yeah, I went to Santa Cruz. Uh, Like many other young millennials, I was fearful of climate change. I wanted to help save the world. I believed humans were a parasite to this, to our environment. Mm. Um, Full hippie, full vegan, right? But it wasn't until I met Michael Schellenberger and was exposed to nuclear energy. And so when I found nuclear energy, I just it was instantaneous for me. Hmm. I believed nuclear was a solution to many of our problems. Energy is 
the backbone of societies, whether developing or developed nations. And so I never foresaw myself getting into energy, but once I found nuclear, it was, uh, it was a uh, match made in heaven. Were you surprised that, you know, your environmental sciences degree didn't touch on nuclear to any great extent? Like, why was this a big surprise to you, right? Right. I, I guess it was, they mentioned nuclear once in one of my classes, but of course it focused on the waste part. So of course, when I met Michael, a classic environmentalist's background, mm -hmm. I felt duped. I felt that my education had not given me I, the full context of what energy systems and what society needs to prosper. Mm. And nuclear, I, I couldn't believe that it wasn't mentioned, that I was not even, there wasn't even a class on it. Wow. Yeah, that does, that would make me angry too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So why do you think that was? Why, why, is it, why is an environmental sciences degree not like focusing on energy? Isn't that, is it, has it changed so much so quickly that energy is now the key plank in environmental sciences, whereas it hasn't been so much in the past? Yeah, I think originally I just thought, oh, maybe it just wasn't the classes I was taking, but none of my circles, the others that were pursuing the same degree, nobody was talking about energy. We were focusing on other issues. And it wasn't until I, I did some more research on the history behind anti-nuclearism that I found that the classic environmentalists were behind that movement that helped shift the public's perception and tarnish nuclear's um, reputation. There's other factors that go into it, but mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, people just don't know about it. But I think there's something going on. I, I think there's a deliberate reason why they don't bring it up. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit more about your background. What was it like at Environmental Progress? That sounds like a great group fighting to keep nuclear plants alive, uh, stop shutdowns. What, what was that? situation like right so that was my first big girl job out of college right and i'm here to save the world i wanted to work at an environmental nonprofit. applied at sierra club nrdc all of those classic big organizations right this is before and so me, before i knew anything about it so working with michael schellenberger and the ep team it was, I, I want to say the true essence of grassroots. We were a little grunge, boots on the ground, you know, there's, we were all chameleons. We did every job that was needed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I think working on every case to save an existing plant, whether it's in California or New York, I just couldn't help but just wonder, like, why isn't anybody else talking about this? You know, I, do, we, I felt like an outsider working at EP, but I knew that this was the cause to pursue. Um, and it wasn't bad either that we got to travel. Who doesn't like traveling, you know? Indeed, indeed. So you, you fought to try to, to support nuclear plants. Obviously, that's a, a difficult situation to be in because public opinion and policy public policy is against you, right? This is the deck is the deck is stacked against you. Were, were you successful in any in any way 
in, at EP? Right. It is stacked against us. And I think for me personally, finding that the party that I identified with was on the opposite side of where we were standing. So that was extremely difficult. Um, and we were successful. I think there was a shift when I joined EP um, and most of our attention was focused on the EU. There's a lot of stuff happening there. As we know, Germany is continuing to phase out their nuclear. Um, but we held, uh, I would say, demonstrations in Belgium that helped spur the conversation. But I would say that it's still an uphill battle to save many existing plants. It seems that nuclear seems to be always on, on the defense. Um, so our victory, we, we had won in Ohio, but then there was that scandal. So I think we're just continuing to push for it. Yeah, indeed. And it's, you would think that with so many municipalities declaring a climate emergency and the IPCC report out there showing that we need to rapidly decarbonize that all of the environmental groups, if they really cared about the ecology, would be jumping on nuclear. Right. But they're not. Right. You, I saw you uh, sending around a message just yesterday about how the Austrian parliament is saying, wait a minute, this climate emergency is is making us require nuclear. We can't have that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Don't be over ambitious because heaven forbid we choose nuclear as an energy source. We might save the world. <laughs> yeah. We we just might out. And I I recent this past April I went to New York to unfortunately we weren't able to save Indian Point, but we went there. There is no environmentalist to be found. There was a thousand clean energy jobs that were lost. New York, New York City lost its largest source of clean energy. And we were there with labor, the po local politicians, and then us from California and Chicago. Hmm. And it was such a sad sight to see because within a first month, what did we see? A 30% increase in the electricity emissions from New York within the first month. Everybody knew what was going to happen, but there was no outcry. It came too late. Yeah. And it, it just seems that we're always slightly too late. Like every time they shut down a perfectly good nuclear plant, it's like it's like in one day mowing down all of their windmills in terms of, in terms of the impact right. on the environment. It's like, okay, let's mow this all down. Let's erase all of our progress. You know, it's huge. It it it's so huge. In Illinois, we're seeing that again. And I'm talking about US just cuz this is where I'm at, but Illinois, we thought it was a for sure thing, saving four nuclear plants, but legislation has still not been passed. If these plants are not valued, accurately valued for their clean energy that they produce, it, I want to, uh, this figure is half of their progress that they have made will be erased because of these plants going offline. Mm -hmm. How is that allowed? Why, why are environmentalists not an outcry about this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here in Ontario, it's a similar thing. We're looking at the the planned shutdown of the Pickering reactor in 2024, um, and it's something like 24 terawatt hours a year of clean energy production. Mm -hmm. Ontario recently had this this green energy uh, deal where we built thousands of windmills, um, and I think it's costing Ontario taxpayers, you know, something like. 33 to 100 billion dollars over a decade to to incentivize these windmills but right 
by closing Pickering, it's like shutting down all the windmills twice over. And it, to refurbish it was like something like eight, nine billion dollars, a small fraction of the cost that we're paying for these windmills mm-hmm. would save twice that much in clean energy. And, and I just can't believe Ontario taxpayers aren't behind this. So right. what are we going to do? You started a movement <laughs> called Stand Up for Nuclear. Tell me about Stand Up for Nuclear and, and why you started that. Yeah. So Stand Up for Nuclear, when I, at my time at EP, we knew that nuclear needed action. So we called, we sent out a cry for help in the EU and all these other organizations and allies came together. So in 2018, had a meeting, established Nuclear Pride Coalition, um, and we decided to have a day of action. It was called Nuclear Pride Fest. And so this was an opportunity to not only engage with the public, but you're providing a vision of what nuclear is to you, why we like nuclear, what it can do. There's face painting, songs being sung. It was good fun for everybody. And this was held in the anti-nuclearism heart of Germany. We were in Munich. We went there and I was like, what is going to happen? So to our surprise, our great surprise was such a huge success that we had many people from across the world reaching out saying, hey, are you going to do one here in our country? This is what we're dealing with, right? And not everybody can travel to one location on a certain day. So that's how it evolved into Stand Up. Stand Up is an international network, right? And we just know nuclear is pretty great and y'all should stand up for it. So it was basic message, right? Um, So Stand Up is the first international pro-nuclear movement. We are the boots on the ground. We go wherever nuclear is needed. We hold events. We connect people with one another. There's just, we need a vision for nuclear. Renewables are very successful. And it's because of their good marketing. They harmonize with nature, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, they have that appeal to nature fallacy. Yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this this is really good because I think uh, people in the field of nuclear um, almost feel too ashamed to stand up because after decades of being told that they're the cause of, of all sorts of problems that, you know, your radioactive waste is going to last for hundreds of thousands of years and you're going to create a, a radioactive wasteland. Uh, these people aren't proud of the work they're doing in saving lives. And I don't think you're right. It's, it's a PR problem because we know that by displacing coal, we're saving thousands of lives, millions of lives a year, you know, depending on the scale of displacement that we can achieve and, and making radioactive isotopes for, for cancer treatments. We're saving thousands to millions of lives every year in cancer treatments. People don't realize the positive impacts, I think, of nuclear. And mm-hmm. I think we need to, the, the story so long has been on the negative impacts uh, we really need to focus on the positives, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that part of what, what stand-up does? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I totally understand why the industry, I think, has re, um, gone behind their walls. The anti-nuclear movement was very strong. Those messages and images are still ingrained in the public consciousness. Um, but nuclear needs some confidence, I think. Nuclear is great. And I feel that we don't show it enough. So stand-up is exactly that. It was built on that premise that, you know, every other energy source has its ups and downs, but we're going to just focus on nuclear here. What is great about nuclear? Let's engage with the community. Let's not talk down and let's discuss how we're actually going to decarbonize. 
that's our goal, right? That's what we're trying to do is lower emissions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what typically happens at a stand up for nuclear event? I've never been to one, but now I'm helping to organize one in Ottawa this September. So tell me what, what your typical stand up for nuclear event entails. Well, congratulations. Heck yeah. So exciting to do an event. So typically, so all events look a little bit differently, but typically it's a couple people, core organizers. You can have booths. So we have one with fun with radiation where you can get a UV light, play with a uranium glass, talk about it. Then we have one to a gallery of insight to share just what's going on with nuclear in general. But the basic premise is that we have beautifully... Okay, it's a PR problem. We love color for stand-up, and it is fun, happy, and light. We are not shoving nuclear facts down people's throats. So we have simple brochures and plain language, engaging with people, handing out balloons. Melty the polar bear is a big factor. Um, I highly encourage you to be in Melty. It's very fun from personal <laughs> experience. Um, but it's... And the message is personalized to everybody's location. So for you in Canada, we talk about Pickering. But here in California, we are trying to save Diablo, right? But mm -hmm. it's fun, friendly, approachable. And so just people out there in a public space engaging with people. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it should be fun. We see how how much public support we can we can generate. Uh, so for those of you listening, we're we're organizing a stand up for nuclear event on Parliament Hill in Ottawa, September 25th. Uh, I'll be there between two and four p.m. Um, hopefully uh, you can come by and say hi if you're in the area. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're not in Ottawa, uh, where do you? How do people find out about their local stand-up for nuclear events? And and are they're kind of all over September. There's not a particular stand-up for nuclear day. Yeah, exactly. So we did. Um, we called it stand-up season all throughout the month of September. But it's just a guideline. We're finding that events have started in June and are going through October. So if you want to get in touch or just interested in maybe being connected with organizers, you can check us out on Twitter, Stand Up For Nuclear, or our website, standupfornuclear.org. And how it works is you reach out and I'll get in touch with you. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. So in Canada, we also have the exciting news that we're having a federal election uh, September 20th. Uh, basically the week before our stand up for nuclear event. So we'll be able to uh, uh, energize our new parliament uh, for, for standing up for nuclear. And if anyone in Canada is following along with this, please ask your local representatives what their position on saving Pickering is, because that's a key uh, platform. Now, it's really an Ontario based solution and it's a federal election, but the federal policy towards nuclear is something that you should make sure is top of mind for your uh, for your MPs. Absolutely. This is a great event. And I think, uh, you know, as as you found out, energy is key to saving the environment. It's key to uh, how humans interact and, and pollute their environments and and whether or not we can decouple our energy sources from our um, our presence on this planet is, I think, a key uh, aspect and it's a key plank in the eco-modernist kind of manifesto is to decouple our, our our civilization our advance of civilization from our energy production our impacts on ecology uh, from what i've looked at and I've, I've looked at there's a survey in um, the american association of science 
showing that there's relatively strong support of science from scientists for nuclear power, but the majority of public opinion seems to be anti-nuclear. And that, you know, this is, I think it's because of uh, the link between nuclear weapons and nuclear power not being clarified enough. It's a difficult line to push in a PR in a in a short PR campaign that there's a big difference between nuclear power and nuclear weapons is that is that your understanding yeah i think there's a couple factors right weapons is definitely a big one that's a fine line and i think some people have found a great way to explain it and it depends on who you're talking to right but i think also one of the main things we always hear is the waste radiation and and the accidents right Mm-hmm. And these are scary topics for people. I remember seeing the coverage of Fukushima and I, be- I remember this one woman was behind a plastic sheet, a clear thing to be checked if she had any, I don't know. I don't even know what the caption was. I was so young. But I remember on the other side of that plastic tarp was her dog. And I'm like, oh my God, why do we even have nuclear energy, right? And if you watch the Simpsons, what do you see about nuclear waste? I think there's just a lot of powerful images and messages that are that can't be combated combated the way that we we've normally done it right like it's just rational like we really have to talk to people's fears and what they believe in their values right there's a there's a bit of psychology here that we've i've been trying to learn to how we communicate with others me as well <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like I feel like I have to have a detailed conversation with each person who has not thought deeply about this issue and is just positioning themselves based on the movies they've watched or the the scare headlines that they've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just feels like it's such a slog to make a difference. You, you kind of get worn out having the same conversation over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've, and I've tried out some messages, right? So I've, of course, I've converted all of my friends to become like, we need nuclear, right? But it, it is slow, like human connection and having conversations does take time. And at times there's just like, especially on Twitter, right, where you post something and you have those trolls and anti-nuclearism is still strong. You know, people that thought you that would be our allies are not for it. Mm-hmm. But through stand up, we've seen that these conversations have multiplied and the returns are, you can't measure them. They're, this is how we've grown the movement is talking with people, talking with family members. And then somebody's like, yeah, your values align with mine. I want to save the environment. We need clean, abundant energy. Oh, nuclear sounds good. And then we can talk about more about the facts, right? People are not going to start trusting you and listen to you if you're just attacking them and saying you're wrong, that this is what's right. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I was constantly engaging on Twitter and trying to, you know, just correct misinterpretations all the time. <laughs> yep, yep. And it's, it's hard to be kind sometimes when you just get yeah. frustrated. But that's key, I think, is to is to you know listen and and mm-hmm. get to that place where you you can discuss your values rather than just going off on people because i've seen a lot of pro-nuclear people uh that that basically just badmouth the other side and that doesn't really help at all i mean it's cathartic i'm sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
but we have to try to refrain and 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 you know talk to the people that are on the fence uh, mm-hmm. rather than the core uh, opponents. You you can you can argue against the core opponents, but be kind to the people that are listening. I exactly. think is my my philosophy. Yeah, there's and there are bad faith actors where there have been multiple people where I don't think it's healthy to engage with, and I don't and. Um, I'm a big fan, not a big fan, but you can block people, but I, we're having conversations and I lead with give the other person benefit of the doubt. Nuclear is so complex, right? There's so much history behind it. There's so many things that we have to unpack. And I was fortunate enough to find it when I worked at EP. Not others have, not many others have had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. So stand up for nuclear seems to be exploding. This is great. I think this is a sign that we're having an impact that mm-hmm. we're, you know, gathering some momentum. What do you see for the future of, of stand up? Where are you going with this? Right. Well, my very ambitious goal is that we would have a stand up in every country, right? In the next couple of years, let's say 10 years, I say five or 10, but it is exploding. Every other week, I get another inquiry from a new nation saying, we heard about stand-up, we want to join, we want to be part of it. And it's a mix of civil society, labor, environmentalists. Um, and so I foresee stand-up getting bigger as far as numbers-wise, but also with publicity. We know that media and social media is a huge part of our culture around the globe. And so nuclear... I think in this past year, and, I, and I'll ask you the same, I've seen more people talk about nuclear in this past year than I ever have. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's because we're listening. But I don't know if, that, if that's your same experience. Yeah, it, it seems to be more and more. Um, I hear more and more pro-nuclear messages. I don't know if it's real or not i mean i'm i'm mm-hmm. we're stuck in this in this kind of echo chamber of of social media and you don't know if yeah. it's just telling you what you want to hear mm-hmm. uh i still hear a lot of anti-nuclear messaging too but yeah I, I, yep. i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that we're making a difference and that mm-hmm. um that the tide is turning you you hope <laughs> <laughs> we hope fingers crossed i think this past year we saw in the New Yorker, we had coverage of Mothers for Nuclear, um, and that was huge. New Yorker hadn't published anything from nuclear in a while. The Guardian came out uh, with a pro-nuclear piece. But yeah, it is hard, right? We're in an echo chamber on energy Twitter. I see all the things I want to see, but then I have to go find the other side to make sure it's balanced. Indeed. From an, an impact, an impact uh, position, uh, you know, you can you can go vegan, as you say, you can, you know, buy an electric car, you can cut back on consumption, but save one nuclear plant and you're going from, you know, tons of CO2 to millions of tons of CO2. So the the biggest impact you can have on the environment is saving a nuclear plant. So anyone who's listening here. Go find a stand-up for nuclear event and advertise it to your friends. Yeah. You know, make that effort. If you've made the effort to go vegan or, or do some sort of personal thing like that, that's great. But you can have a lot more impact by supporting Paris's stand-up for nuclear events wherever they are near you and coming out and, and showing your support and starting these conversations with your friends. Because I think that's key is to get the public support behind these things so that the government takes notice. Because... Nuclear is big, right? It's a big project to build a nuclear facility and to fund the refurbishment of a nuclear facility. But it's, it's, so you need government 
intervention to make the link between good environmental policy and good energy policy. Right. And every voice counts and nuclear demands the very best from people. You know, we can have nuclear programs in other countries that may have economic and social turmoil, but their nuclear plants are there and running. So I encourage anybody who's even interested in nuclear, come follow us on Twitter, come check us out. Um, but we can be vegan. You can take public transit, ride your bike and call a representative and saying, hey, what's your stance on nuclear? I think we should keep them open, especially existing ones. I know that we will have another battle to face with new nuclear, right? Because it's unknown to some people. But existing is there, baby. We got it. It's powering our, our homes. And here in California, it's consistently running, even though when we have blackouts, you know, when PG&E has to shut power off for people because of wildfires, nuclear is still there, reliably powering. That, that's a good message. So before we sign off, um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been great. Uh, I hope everyone listens and comes out to the Stand Up for Nuclear events. I have a question that I ask a lot of my uh, correspondents on this. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what science fiction do you like? You watch science fiction movies, read books. What do you? What's your favorite? Oh, very interesting question. I've never been asked that. So science fiction. How about? Can you give me yours first, and I'll tell you mine. Oh goodness. <laughs> Uh, I like uh, Greg Egan. Uh, his works are <clears throat> probably my favorite. He's a mathematician who writes some hard science fiction. Oh. Uh, and he's write, written one, I think my favorite is probably called Diaspora, which is about uh, these um, small uh, computer simula simulations which have civilizations of computerized beings inside of them, uh, which are basically a, a future evolution of humanity. Uh, and they go out and explore the universe. Uh, and that's a kind of a cool one. Another one I like, uh, Kim Stanley Robinson, uh, the uh, Red Mars, Blue Mars series. Uh, it's a very hard science fiction of, of uh, going to going to Mars, basically, in, in the not-too-distant future. Interesting. I have never heard of those. Okay. Um, I will admit I don't read much science fiction, but I do watch a lot of it on like Netflix. I know that there's a lot of shows on there. Okay. Um, but I believe the one that I have read was uh, the Ready Player One, which is very basic, I would say, for science fiction. Okay. 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 I'll have yeah. to come back on this podcast and I, you have to send me some suggestions to read. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you Paris. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my Patreon page at patreon.podbean.com slash The Rational View. Thanks for listening.